Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It's 8.30 on Monday, August 27th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the State House and Senate are continuing to discuss plans to create a lottery and repair roads. Will a bill for a BP settlement be addressed? It's been a couple of days and it's been tiring and hopefully everybody will get some rest and come back Monday refreshed and ready to finish straightening all this out. And on Everyday Tech, we'll learn what tools the experts recommend to ward off malware. Plus, we'll hear from a Southern Miss professor on the possibility of an economic recession in the next 12 months. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A special legislative session continues today as legislators continue to discuss a lottery and an infrastructure improvement bill. Mississippi senators are passing their own version of a bill to disperse part of the revenue from Internet sales tax to cities and counties. It says counties could spend the money only on roads and bridges, but cities could include water and sewer repairs. After a Senate vote of 48 to 3 on Friday to pass House Bill 1, applause came from members of the Mississippi Municipal League sitting in the gallery. Sherry Vize is the executive director. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood she's hopeful towns will support the outcome from either chamber's bill. This bill is very similar to a bill that was unanimously passed in the House in January 722, but basically it's going to provide additional funds to every city in Mississippi from the smallest to the largest, and we feel good about the distribution um, because we think even our small towns that don't have a huge tax base uh, will get a significant amount of money over time that they can make infrastructure improvements with, and that includes water, sewer, and streets. So we're very pleased. Was there anything in the bill that may have concerned you or something that you you may hope will see an amendment in terms of representing or feeding those smaller cities? Right. Well, we were concerned back in the regular session uh, that the Senate bill that was passed was requiring a 100% match for cities to get any type of diversion to help with infrastructure. And that's just not practical. Most matches, even for federal grants they apply for, are only 20%. So there's no match now, but they're going to allow the cities and towns to look at a five-year average of what they've spent on water, sewer, and street infrastructure. And as long as they maintain their local budget, and don't stop spending that amount, then they'll get the new revenue. And we fully support that. We think that's a good system to make sure they're accountable for using this new money for the improvements it was meant to make. So is it a priority to the the cities that may get not the amount of money, but how soon they get the money? It would be nice to get it sooner, but we understand that it is going to be phased in because of the hit that the general 
fun we'll take, and we're okay with that. Of course, we'd like to have it all right away, but we know that that's not practical. So we're okay with it being phased in. Is there anything else you want to add that I didn't ask? Uh, we'll be monitoring the process. We know now that it'll have to go to conference, and we hope that they can come to an agreement, but we feel good about both sides, what they've passed out. So we think at the end of the day that our membership will be happy, but we'll still be involved in the process to make sure that happens. Sherry Vizet is the Executive Director of the Mississippi Municipal League. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Democratic Senator Willie Simmons of Cleveland tells MPB's Ashley Norwood he thinks communities will be pleased. I feel good about it. I think the amendments that was made uh, was very helpful to the uh, local communities uh, back home because it's going to allow those communities to receive the $3 million that the House has put in, but it's going to allow them to receive it. And we're using the population, the sale tax, as well as giving them $10,000 million, $10, each. So the small communities are really going to be able to benefit from that. What are some of the things that you see that money benefiting the communities? Um, is it water, sewage, roads? What are some of the things that it will help aid? We, we made it for infrastructure. And infrastructure in this particular uh, sense means roads, bridges, in addition to the water and sewage. Uh, it doesn't make sense to take care of a highway and you got bad pipes on it because a few years later you want to come back and undo what you've done. Is there anything you particularly don't like about the bill? It's not enough money. Uh, that's the only thing that I don't like about the two measures. Uh, we're talking about $200 million when, in fact, we need about $350 million, uh, $3 billion plus. However, I'm pleased that we are making the start, and as we look forward, uh, going forward, we can find other ways to add additional dollars to it. What about the money that already exists for um, roads and bridges and water and sewage and things like that? Um, will that also be added to this, or is this all new money? This is new, and that's the good part about it. Uh, we're going to allow the Department of Transportation and the local government through the local uh, state bridge program to continue getting the monies they have been receiving. But on top of that, we are giving them additional dollars, which is a bonus for them to be able to address some of the issues they couldn't address because of lack of resources. Anything else you want to add? I want to be, give thanks to the Senate and to the uh, leadership, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tay Reeves and Speaker Gunn, for stepping aside and allowing us to have a lottery, uh, which is going to generate $80 million and give thanks to the Senate and the House for supporting this endeavor. It's a great day for Mississippians. What do we expect? Monday, I hope to come in at 10 o'clock and that uh, we either send the bills to the governor for his signature or we go into negotiating in conference and come out real quickly with some measures that we can pass and go home. Senator Willie Simmons. Republican Senator Angela Hill of Marion County tells our Ashley Norwood the bill is good for cities in Mississippi. The diversion for the counties and the cities is a good thing because as online sales grow uh, and walk-in sales continue to decline, the cities are losing that tax base. Um, and the counties are now going to get a portion of that diversion as well. Um, and they've had stores in counties collecting sales taxes for many, many years. Um, there's Dollar Generals and different stores all over counties, quick stops and gas stations, and they've not gotten any of that sales tax back. So I think this is a start to begin to be equitable for the cities and the counties and replace some of that lost revenue with what we're calling use tax. And, and in reality, what I believe is really just a sales tax collected a different way. Do you think it's enough money to get started? Anything's better than what we had before, um, and we'll just have to look at that and, and see how it goes. And, and there's always a potential as, as our collections increase to potentially increase that in the future, but it's a starting point. 
Is there anything else you want to add to that? Hopefully everybody will come back Monday refreshed and, and ready to finish straighten all this out. Thank you so much, Senator Hill. Thank you so much. The bill returns to the House today. The State House of Representatives is advancing a new version of a bill to create a state lottery, passing it by a 71 to 43 vote. The modified Senate bill now says a lottery corporation would have to abide by the state's open meetings and public records laws. Republican Governor Phil Bryant supports the change. Democratic Representative Steve Holland of Lee County also welcomes the revisions, but other amendments, he says, were questionable. Well, I've been for a lottery most of my legislative career, which now totals 35 years, and I think it's something overwhelmingly that the people of Mississippi want. The point I was trying to make in my debate is the process by which we got it today was extraordinarily convoluted. It was not even fair. We did not even get a presentation of the bill, nor was there a full presentation of the bill in committee, sort of crammed down our throats, so it's got to be cleaned up. It's not the right lottery bill that the people of Mississippi want, and I hope that as the process continues, it will get cleaned up. But the fact of the matter is we did endorse a lottery, and the Senate did it yesterday. So we're well on the way of hopefully getting the right kind of lottery bill that will be clean and neat without a lot of appendages that are not necessary. Representative Steve Holland. Representative John Reed of Gaucher is chairman of the House Appropriations Committee. He says more changes could come in the next phase of review. It's going to conference. So what we pass today is not the final product. So until it comes out of conference, everybody either going to concur or none concur. If it concurs, it goes to the governor. None concur, it's dead. So uh, even though it's a, uh, we've won a battle, but we hadn't won the war. And uh, so there are some things in it I don't like that were amended, but uh, the overall process, I, I, I wanted to support the lot. Representative Reed tells our Ashley Norwood they are in keeping with the governor's call. And the governor's call, if y'all read, is call stated for 10 years, dedicated revenues would go to the infrastructure. That's in his call. Now, you understand what a call is. That is a way... See, we have a governor, his strength is in special session because he can dictate or, or in his call, say what needs to be addressed. Now, once you, if you deviate outside, you can, you can, you can be, you know, the, the speaker or somebody can say you cannot do that, or the governor himself can just say, well, that wasn't in my call, I'm vetoing it. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you're, you're kind of bound by what he says in his call. Now, uh, there are people who, and myself included, if you look around the country, lotteries have been dedicated to education. So that's kind of a mindset. If you have a lottery, you dedicate it to education. Now, it, it doesn't have to be, but that's the way it has been, Georgia and other states. Georgia, I think, was probably the, the uh, front runner on that with their HOPE scholarships. But as you saw today, uh, we agreed that, that the amount of money the governor put in his call, uh, you know, dedicate so much a year, and that we did that. But in, if there's any land yet, that's going to be taken and put in pre-K. And so uh, how much will that be? We'll have to see if the lottery, everything comes to pass, how much it'll be. But there is a uh, revenue stream for pre-K. You talked about the amendments, and you said some things you had some issues with. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Because I know some of the amendments included some more openness. Well, the openness and transparency, I don't have a problem with. Uh, it right at the end, 
a gentleman made a good point. You establishing a lottery, you need somebody to know the lottery business. And so, therefore, a corporation that deals in lotteries and has worked in it, if they have a good track record, you know, you got to have, you have to have audits. You have to have some way, just like our gaming. You know, we started gaming in Mississippi with nothing. We brought people from Las Vegas. We had, you know, we, we actually started Square One, built up a structure. We got some commissioners, three commissioners. We put an executive director who was a retired military general, and they ran, and we've got it up and going. We have our own investigative group, and it's worked. We've been blessed. We've not had one scandal or one accusation up towards our gaming core, okay? We want to do the same thing for the lottery, and, and I think probably the corporation would be the best. Um, is there anything in the legislation that protects the existing funds for roads and bridges? Yes, uh, this is all land. Yeah, this this would be all all land. And what, what you're pulling, you're pulling monies, all new monies. You're pulling monies from sport book. How much we don't know. See, this, this is another thing of this bill. It's it's guesstimation. We just got sport book online. The use tax. That's where the big debate is. We got use tax. That use tax used to go to our general fund, which I oversee to give mental health, health department, everything. Now we have the use tax, and a part of that, 18% of it, will go to the cities and counties. And that was a big issue, and we, we have formula, and I think it's pretty fair to try to you know, get that out. The bill returns to the Senate today. Also included in the governor's call is a bill on a BP settlement which legislators have yet to address. Coming up, we'll hear from a Southern Miss professor on the possibility of an economic recession in the next 12 months. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wills Couture and Jeremy Thompson. And today we're discussing malware, how to spot current threats, and ways to fend them off. So, guys, when we say malware, what exactly are we talking about? Well, really, the term malware is short for malicious software. And the way I really tend to think about it is it's kind of an umbrella term for all of those different malicious items that manage to make it onto our tech device. Also, it's probably the most annoying thing that people encounter on their computers from day to day because it can pop up anywhere. It can be a a random pop-up on your computer or you could be up on the Internet or, or clicking on something in your email and it can pop up. So knowing what it is and knowing how to uh, treat the problem is definitely something that everybody with a an electronic device needs to know. When you start seeing a slowing down phone, a slowing down computer, a slowing down laptop, typically malware is going to be to blame for that. How do we recognize malicious programs and links in email or on the web? My policy is don't click on links in your email unless you know the person and the email looks like something that they would send you. You can kind of tell how people send their emails. I always write mine like a form letter, so I have a salutation and all that. So if you got something from me that says, check this out, that is suspect. The the best rule of thumb, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to uh, links, whether they're an email or even on the web, is if I'm going somewhere, especially if I'm going somewhere that has my personal or financial information, I don't click a link. I'm going to type it in myself. If I'm going to my bank, I'm going to type my bank's name in rather than follow any link that I'll ever see in an email. Absolutely. Um, You always want to make sure that 
the link that you're if, – if you're going to click on the link, you need to make sure that it's actually going to the address that appears because it's possible for them to make it look like it's going to Google when it's really going to something else completely different. Um, it's possible to uh, put your mouse over the link and you can actually see where it's going to take you or you could also copy the link address and put it in uh, – paste it into Word or Notepad or something and see where it's actually going. Yeah, that's a very, very common trick that folks will do. You may be thinking you're going one place, but you totally – end up somewhere else. Um, and a lot of times you don't realize it until it's too late. One very common way that it's been spreading lately is by people uh, receiving an invoice from somebody they know. And so they click on it because they're like, well, what did they send me this for? And as soon as you click on that invoice, they got you too. And they get in your email and they get your address book and they send it out to all your people too. So what are some effective apps for defending your tech? So Wilson, and I really believe in two apps that are out there right now. Um, you've got Avast Antivirus, which we talk about all the time. Uh, it's a great free program. It's also the number one virus protection on the planet. It keeps you protected from most of the things that are out there. Uh, the other one, Wilts, Malwarebytes. Oh, Malwarebytes is just, it's been a, uh, a resident in the stable for quite a while. It just does an extremely effective job at actually tending to removing and just cleaning up from any kind of malware infections. So what do you do if you have become infected? My, my first recommendation, if you already have these programs downloaded on your computer and you've got them updated, disconnect from the Internet. A lot of malware actually uses your Internet connection to power itself. So if you're not on the Internet, then it keeps those pop-ups from coming up when you're removing different programs. That's a good first step. Then Definitely run the scan with Malwarebytes first and then uh, run it again after that to make sure that it comes up with zero infections. If you're still noticing any kind of slowdowns or you're still suspect of your computer possibly still being infected, uh, at that particular point would probably be when I would say you'd want to reach out to an IT professional. So, Michelle, when we're talking about malware, we like to go with the old adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You do not need to wait for these things to become problems on your computer. You can install these programs now and nip it in the bud before it becomes a massive problem for you. That's true, Jeremy. And if you feel you have been compromised, we need to always remember there are over-the-counter cures for your computer woes. Just like if you're walking down the aisle of your local pharmacy and you see plenty of home remedies, there are several remedies out there for what may be ailing your computer. We will talk more about malware on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Could Mississippi see a recession at the end of this year, of next year? That's the question raised to economic professor Ward Sayre of the University of Southern Mississippi. As numerous economic experts have warned that the United States could be headed for a downturn similar to the Great Recession of 2008, Sayre tells MPB's Desiree Frazier, although the state and country are experiencing record lows in unemployment rates, a recession is possible. We do have record low unemployment at this time, and I think probably the length of the current expansion, as well as how strong the economy is doing right now, is part of what leads people to think that there might be a recession in the future. Now, the 
problem is is that just because times are going well doesn't mean it necessarily will lead to a recession anytime soon. But people have the feeling often that, well, it can't keep it up for very long. Unfortunately, right now, we also have several issues that are going on in both the political and economic spheres that are leading people to increase the probability that there will be a recession sometime in the next 12 months. You hear that we had a recession in 2008 because of the housing bubble. But can you define for us what a recession is and what sectors it might hit this time or what would be the impetus for it? Well, a recession is defined in a couple different ways. Most people go to the textbook definition in a principles of economics class that would say that two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product growth is what we define as, as being a recession. So if the economy is getting smaller, recorded over a six-month period, then that is seen as being in a recession. So you could have a one-quarter dip. You know, for a couple months, things may not be going well. And that's not really called a recession, even though the economy has gotten smaller for a short period of time. If it's more sustained over six months, people generally refer to that as a recession. However, there is a more technical definition that is used by the National Bureau of Economic Research, and that's actually how we date the recessions officially, according to the U.S. Uh, government and the, uh, the Census Bureau. So the idea is that the economy is getting smaller, and it's doing so not just as a one-off, but on a sustained basis. Right now, the main worries in the economic and political sphere have to do with a couple things, um, one of which is the increased uh, likelihood of a trade war, the growth that we've just had announced uh, in the last few weeks that the economy grew at 4.1% for the second quarter was seen largely as a response to the possibility of future tariffs, where part of the reason why the economy grew so robustly is because agricultural products in particular were being shipped, at, shipped out at a faster rate as for export before the tariffs would hit. And so the idea is that if they were selling things in anticipation of a decrease in demand, well, when that decrease in demand comes about, then we're going to see an overall slowing down of the economy. So that is one of the issues. And the second issue is that there are going to be negative effects from some of the political disputes, specifically the Iran nuclear deal and the sanctions that are going on is likely to have additional rebound effects on the U.S. economy as other countries retaliate, as maybe there is going to be um, an increase in oil prices, which will cause everything to get a little bit more expensive and cause a, a contraction in business activity. Well, Mississippi has seen slow growth in this recovery period compared to other southern states. What impact would a recession have on us if we're already having slower growth? Having slower growth uh, in Mississippi puts us in an, an odd situation where, on the one hand, you could think that because we haven't been growing as rapidly, maybe we would actually not be impacted as much. And this is actually something that happened during the housing crisis uh, with the uh, Great Recession of uh, 2008 through 2009. 
In fact, because we hadn't seen as much of a peak in uh, a spike in housing prices, we didn't see as much of a collapse, and we didn't see as much of a collapse in our our housing market. And uh, so the recession, even though it was bad here, it wasn't as bad. On the other hand, if there are other institutional factors, for example, the lack of Diverse economic sectors that range from manufacturing to technology to healthcare services that are exported. You know, we do a lot of healthcare that's for the local market, but we don't do a lot of things like uh, medical device manufacturing, et cetera. If we have a fairly limited range of outputs, then anything that negatively affects that limited range may affect us more severely. And I think that's likely in this case. One of the main areas um, of the economy in Mississippi is agriculture. Agricultural products are likely to be very severely affected in any trade war with China. And because of that, I think we are likely to have uh, more exposure to the recession than, than possibly in past recessions. Any way to turn that around or keep it from happening? It is largely out of the hands of any uh, local policymakers. And the probably the best thing that you know policymakers at the city and state level can do in Mississippi is just to make sure that their rainy day funds are fully funded as best they can. Well, Dr. Sayers with the University of Southern Mississippi, we appreciate you for taking the time to explain some of this to us. Thank you for your time, Desiree. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app, from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.